Blog Talk Radio. More than that. <laughs> More than that. From head to toe, sheer beauty at its finest. But more than that, woman, female, black, nappy and happy, curly and girly, kinky, tinky, straight, wait, but more than that, mm, but more than that, shades and strength like that of a tree, cedar, birch, walnut, pecan, mahogany, she's sassy, spunky, sexy, spicy, ginger, pepper, cinnamon, and honey. These rich hues, but more than that, ah, but more than that. She's distinctive, elegant, quiet, meek, boisterous, demanding, definitely not weak, headstrong and spiritually connected, all negative nonsense rejected, exclusive, instinctive, unpredicted, outspoken, unselfish. Unrestricted, she's confident, talented, adventurous, determined, whimsical, eclectic, dedicated, diverse, and superior, priceless, coveted by many, for her mind is complex, able to do anything she sets in motion, but more than that, uh huh, but more than that, she's tall, short, medium, and all in between, felt curvy, stout, fit, hippie, or lean, she, queen, sister, teacher. Hello, and welcome to the Great Liberators radio show on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Kenya White. We have an exciting panel of guests today for this compelling debate for our topic, which is segregation versus integration, the black community, and the way forward. Our panel consists of four very intelligent brothers here to give us all some food for thought. The guests today are Dejan Israel, Duncan Penderhughes Jr., Mudiwa Mugabe, and as always, our very eloquent host, Amiri Brown. Amiri, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Ready, you know, ready to get into it and chop it up on um on you know, on the topic. All right. Should be uh should make for for a for a lively discussion because the the, the way the way this 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 uh this show came up today was I made a I made a post and I said that Martin Luther King was more effective than than Malcolm X and that caused quite a bit of um that caused quite a bit of controversy. Um I think there's been a there's been this sense uh that, that somehow Martin Luther King Junior got tricked, he was deceived, he got duped, and then toward the latter end of, of, of his life he he was beginning to see the light and, and come around and, and it is my plan today, God willing to show that nothing could be further from the truth, and that the man was was uh, highly intelligent. He was uh, he was very revolutionary, and he's been um, he's been underappreciated by the black community because even at that time, 
you know, while he was running around doing everything that he was doing, he was a, he was a, he was unpopular. Black people didn't start um, riding for Martin Luther King till after he got till after he was assassinated, and that's something that's that's prevalent with um, with our people. Um, it seems to be that you know while 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 you're doing the work, they can't stand you, and then when you die in process of of doing the work, uh, then they 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 laud you as a saint or some venerated figure. But even I'd say within the within the wake of um, crack cocaine and everything that's transpired within the last fifty to sixty years, and the fact that white society idolizes Martin Luther King and puts him on a pedestal, it causes a it causes a reflex within Black society to want to uh, try and downplay him to a certain to a certain degree, and that's something that even goes back to the plantation. Something that was mentioned in the Willie Lynch letter, how that if the if the if the the slave master puts one um one slave on a pedestal and not the other it causes it causes um it causes that type of reflex so that's something that they that the dominant society has always done and all it takes to discredit a black figure is a little bit of shine from white society and that that person pretty much becomes a pariah within um within within black social spaces. Um, let me see if I can get our get our guess in here. We have a, a, a slew of numbers up here. Um I I I'll say all the all the guests who are supposed to be uh on a on a panel, press one so you could come so that'll bring you in my queue and I'll know who you are. I think I have one right here. Let me see if this is him. Seven oh four. Hello? That's me, Dejan Israel. Hello? How you doing, brother? Okay. I'm doing all right. How you doing? Okay. Uh, three two three. Mudiwa Mugabe. Hey, what's up, Mugabe? How y'all doing? I I I don't see um Duncan. If you're on a, if you're on on the line, press one and that'll bring you in the queue. Um, I haven't I haven't spoke to Duncan uh lately. I don't know if he forgot he might be running late. But I mean uh one you know we we should just go ahead and get started and hopefully he he could come in and catch up. But as I was saying that the topic for today is integration versus segregation, the black community, and and the way forward. And so I, I already said said a little bit of my piece, so I'll allow, I'll allow our, the two brothers to, to, to say their piece. Um, Design, you can go first, and then Mugabe, you can, you can follow up with what you have to say. All right. This topic of segregation versus integration. Well, my perspective is, I mean, there were a lot of positive and negative um things that transpire with segregation as well as integration. Well, with segregation, I mean, yes, we, we had flourishing businesses. We had um, we had a little bit, a bit of autonomy and self-sufficiency. However, mm. we still had antiquated textbooks and schools. We still had outdated um, access to health care. We still had we still had um access we didn't have like we had limited access to a lot of facilities that whites had during that time period. Right. Whereas um when integration came into play, integration wasn't just about oh we get to sit at the table with white folks or we get to dine in their restaurants. Integration was when we got equal access to a lot of facilities and a lot of um 
a lot of institutions that we didn't have access to prior to integration. We got to take into account as well. I mean, people who try to say, well, we would have been better off segregated. But if you really think about it, we really never been segregated in this society. Because mm-hmm. there was a time period during 1675 when during Bacon's Rebellion when Nathaniel Bacon had actually used blacks. He formed an alliance of blacks and whites, white laborers, right. to right. go against the planter elite because the planter elite would um, support him and provide him with a militia for his scheme because he was trying mm-hmm. to uh, seize Native Americans' land. So we have to take that into account. And furthermore, mm-hmm. during 1877, they provide um, the Compromise of 1877 is when Rutherford B. Hayes had um, withdrew the federal troops from down south right. on Reconstruction. And that's what ended Reconstruction. And that's when right. the, um, the Klan members had came down there and started terrorizing blacks and preventing right. blacks from doing So we have to take all these things into account. Because prior to um, 1877, we we had black people that were actually um, in political high political offices, such as the Senate, the right. Congress, and all that after slavery. And we also had the right. Freedmen's Bureau. Right. So, right. And integration um, was actually it wasn't just to sit like I stated earlier. It wasn't just to sit at at the white man's table or to get a cup of coffee at his restaurant, it was actually um, policy that was set into place to provide protection for our people, whereas we can okay. we can um, visit any facility without having to worry about a white mob attacking. So those are all the things right. that we have to take into account when we discuss this. Right. Okay, Mugabe, you can, you can go ahead and say, and say your piece. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Can you hear me well? Yes. Yeah, we hear you, we hear you loud and clear, brother. All right. Fantastic. The first thing I want to do is, man, I want to say thank you to everybody for uh, bringing this topic to the table. This is a very interesting and provocative topic that we need to discuss as a people in our community. And it has implications that that a lot of us really don't understand. And I want to greet everybody formally, you know, uh, to 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 everybody out there. I want to say uh, Hotel. I want to say Shalom. I want to say Assalamu Alaikum. I want to say Habaragani. I want to say Buenos Noches. And in my traditional uh, native tongue, I also want to say what's happening because we are a diverse people in this. The subject right now is very, very poignant. And I said that to say this. My opening statement is as such. Integration is the mantra of people that want to assimilate. Segregation is the mantra of people that are in the ruling class. My position is a position of separation. Separation is the mantra of people that truly want to be liberated. And at some point in time, 
want to become a sovereign people. Mm-hmm. And I'll right. leave it I, at I, that. Okay, that was um that was con- that was concise and to the point, and, and um we we appreciate your your uh your deference to the listeners with with your greeting. Um, let me say this because I, I like I totally get that aspect of that aspect of what you're saying. But I think that when we have this this discussion, one thing that we have to acknowledge, a horrifying truth is, an uncomfortable truth is, is that we've already we've already been assimilated. Unfortunately, when we were brought here to the shores from the shores of of of, of Africa on the Ivory Coast and brought here to to work as as slaves, that was assimilation. That was a form of integration. Now, from my perspective, when we talk about integration versus segregation and the way it's defined by these uh, pro-black scholars, uh, it it wasn't merely an exercise in uh, social social integration or or segregation because, as you said, both carry carry long-reaching implications. Integration and segregation within the context of the civil rights movement was one about uh, political integration because we were already socially integrated. That's how come when they did when when they had their 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 drafted review boards, the fact that you were segregated did not stop you from getting drafted. It didn't stop you in the Korean War. It didn't stop you with World War Two. It didn't it, and it definitely didn't stop us with Vietnam. Now when we talk about Integration versus segregation within the within the confines of the political context of the time, we're talking we're talking strategy and what's going to be most effective in helping Black people get out of the precarious position they're in, which is one of um, con- confinement, centralization, economic dep- economic deprivation, and subjection to police brutality and racial mistreatment. That's what we have to understand, and that was something that Martin Luther King laid out very well in his book, Where Do We Go From Here, Community or Chaos? And that's, that's essentially the argument he's making. He said um, those who, who define integration as assimilation, he said that argument would make sense if we were in, in, in Africa fighting a foreign invader like Belgium or if we were in India like Mahatma Gandhi fighting the British, he said, but no, we're in, we're in America. We're in, for, for all intents and purposes, our home country fighting racial oppression. So those are to, two totally different dynamics that we, can, that we conflate at our leisure because it's convenient, and it sounds good, and it sounds provocative, but the bottom line is that is not the reality. So with that being the case, how do we define what liberation is, what liberation looks like? And I think for, for, for black people in America, it is a miscalculation to look at it in a macroscopic view, as if you have any hope of affecting the fortunes of a, of a melanated person in Papua New Guinea, and you're dominated here in America based on a racial caste system that is oppressing you from fulfilling and reaching your full potential. So this is the way we have to, have to lay these topics out in a way that is serious and that is uh, one with intellectual clarity and intellectual honesty. It is a profound mischaracterization for Dr. Claude Anderson and a lot of these other so-called scholars. I won't say so-called because they are scholars, but for a lot of these scholars 
to define the civil rights movement and, and the mission of Dr. Martin Luther King as one of wanting to cattle to white people and spend and spend money in white establishments. The 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 bedrock of the civil rights movement of the civil rights legislation was about equal protection under the law and full participation in the economic system of America, the political system of America, and the social system of America. That's what it, that's what it was about. It, 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 it's it's um, it's disingenuous to say that oh he just wanted to be around white people. He just loved white people. He just liked white people. He just wanted to be with white people. That's not what it was about. And when you do that, what you do when you do that is you take an entire um, uh, an entire methodology of strategy to deal with a complex situation like um, the one we're in. You take that off the table and you, and you typecast it to well it has to be this separation or segregation or, or anything uh, to the like. So I, I'll yield on that point and um, design. You can go next. I, I still don't know where Duncan is, but uh, you can go ahead, uh, design, and then uh, Ugabe, you can go last. All right. Okay. Well, my position. I would like to further add on to that because a lot of people mm-hmm. get um, Dr. King misconstrued like he was just some over. Like he was just some right. um, naive person that wanted to fit in to assimilate to white culture. But right. what Dr. King was basically saying, you basically had to work within the system in order to get some results out of the system. Right. And and what we got to take into account as well is that people want to say, well, we we were better off segregated. We were we were better off um, being isolated away from white society. But what people fail to realize that as long as we utilizing their currency, as long as we utilizing their, their facilities, we still really under integration. Right. And furthermore, well, right. Exactly. Even when we had our own segregated businesses and our own institutions and establishments, we were still relying on white manufacturing copies for the products that we sold in our establishments. So we right. don't want to say that we we were better off being segregated, but in actuality, we were still being, we were integrated with them. And we also right. had blacks so we still were actually living among each other. Right. And, and, and living in public housing and stuff. Um, You know, prior to the, F, the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, Actually, um, redlining a lot of neighborhoods and forcing a lot of um, black people out of the neighborhood. So that's my take on that. Okay. Um. All right. Let me let me let me start by saying this. Uh, Integration. Can you guys hear me? Heard some real static. We can hear you. Yeah. Now we can hear you. All right. Integration was a necessary thing in our progress. I don't deny that at all. It was necessary at the federal level. It was necessary because the distribution of federal funds in state funds was not equal. So we needed integration at the federal level. No one is in denial of that. Uh What what Uh I'm saying is this. In practice, 
as a people, we were doing better as a separated people. And by that, I mean, if you look at the, when, when some people say, let, let me, let me just cut to the chase. When, when you hear the, the, the talking heads that say we did better when we were under segregation as opposed to integration, I have to, I, I tend to agree with that from a psychological perspective, but I tend to disagree with that from a perspective of, of, of quantitative metri- matrix. Like we, there's no quantitative way to say we were doing better back then. It's a damn lie. But if you say psychologically, were we doing better back then? The, the, the evidence suggests that that's true. Why is that? And, and the reason why that's so in psychology, see, I don't, I'm not going to take a, I'm not going to take a sociological approach to this thing. I'm going to take a neurological and psychological approach to this thing. So when people say we were doing better, we were doing better uh, 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 when we were segregated. I understand what they're saying, even if they don't understand what they're saying. What they're saying is this. They're saying that from a psychological perspective, there's a, there's a thing called, um, oh, oh, man, um, mm, what is it? Oh, man, I can't think of it right off. I'm going to pull it up on the internet in a second. But when you experience, okay. when you experience acute trauma as a group, when right. a group experiences right. a tr- acute trauma, they have a tendency to become tighter. They, come, they have a tendency to bond with each other. And, right. and racism, white supremacy, it creates trauma. And when right. that trauma was created in the minds and in the psyche of our people, it made us tighter as a unit. So what did we do? We, we depended on each other more than, than we did post uh, 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 post segregation. Now, in 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 a, in a little while, I'll go into the history of segregation. But when we talk okay. about when we talk about segregation and integration, we were a tighter unit of people during segregation. Why? Because we had a common we had a common source of stress. And this in psychology, people this this is understood in psychology that when you they 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 they've done research on uh on uh, uh war veterans, people that were engaged in combat, and a lot of combat veterans they they aspire to be back in combat, and people think, what's wrong with you, man? Are you crazy? Why do you want to be in combat? They want to be in combat because they experience a brotherhood, a camaraderie that they don't experience in mainstream society. Uh, there was a sister that wrote a book a few years ago. I can't remember the name. Why are all the black kids sitting at the same table or something to that effect? And, and, and what it is is when you're in stressful situations as a people, it's a bonding mechanism is your unity. And so I'm saying that to say I understand when, when, when people like Claude Anderson and people like David Banner and people like Umar Johnson, when they say uh, we were better off, we did better during segregation than 
post-segregation. What they're alluding to is the psychological effects of it, not the quantitative uh, 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 not the quantitative uh, social effects of it, but more the psychological effects. And I yield the yield floor on that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand that, and I understand exactly what you're saying with that. Um, and it's, it, that's actually a nice segue into a topic I wanted to touch on Within the, con- within the confines of the integration segregation debate. Because one thing that does get blamed on, um, I feel, un- unjustly and unfairly on integration is the, the pre- presumption of the dissolution of the, of the black family, that integration had a profound impact on um, the family structure and its, its unity and its solidarity when in fact it was actually segregation that put immense strain on the family, particularly in the northern ghettos um, in the urban city centers. So that's, that's something I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I wanna hit on right quick. But I think we have, I'm not sure if this is, if this is Duncan. We might have a caller or this could be Duncan, I'm not sure. Let's see. Well, no, obviously they hung up, so I guess that wasn't Duncan. But um, Kenya, I have a clip of Daniel Patrick Moynihan because a lot of times on social media, I'll see people quote the Moynihan report. And, and when they do that, they do it with a sense of trying to um, assign blame to, to black, women, black women as the cause of the family breakdown, um, uh, uh, you know, saying this this trope about black women running after handouts from the government and they put the man out for that. I want to get the, 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 the words right from the horse's mouth so Daniel Patrick Moynihan can basically um, say what he was saying in the Moynihan report to make it understandable of what he was really, really alluding to. Uh, Kenya, can you, can you, can you uh, cue that clip and play it for me right quick? Absolutely. All right, thank you. Theirs, they say, is a different world about which white Americans have bothered to learn very little. Indeed, the first thorough study of Negroes and how they live in this country was completed only a few months ago. Our government, which conducts detailed surveys of everything from sugar beets in Colorado to social habits in Cambodia, had never before taken a close look at the 21 million Negroes of America. Daniel Moynihan, until this summer, Assistant Secretary of Labor, was in charge of the study and was staggered by it. Moynihan says the Negro family structure is collapsing, and we ask him the reasons. The first is, remember that American slavery was the worst slavery the world has ever known. We can't get that into our heads because the standard of living of the slaves was high, perhaps. We don't think, we don't see how awful it was. We deprived them of the sacraments as Christians. We deprived them of the, any institutions of family life. We deprived them of any rights as human beings. There's a very long and complicated history, but we did. There's no other slavery like it in history. And there was no Negro family at all in, in the slave world. Secondly, segregation and the great humiliation of Jim Crow was a, was a brutal assault on the personal integrity of the Negro male. I mean, he was the man who took the brunt of it. Thirdly, urbanization poured into the city. Uh, don't forget, the Negroes of our time, because they're Americans, we don't see them as emigrants. 
And the Negroes and Watts were emigrants, just as much as the Italians or Irish or whatever who poured into the cities in the 19th century. And it wasn't a very pretty sight in New York in 1870 either, let me tell you. Uh, the families break up when they leave countryside, rural, peasant life, and sort of dump into slums. Fourthly, unemployment. We have had 35 years of disastrous unemployment. And uh, for the Negro male, he has never gotten over the Depression. He had four fair years, fair to middling years in the Second World War, and maybe a good year in the Korean War, and that's it. It's getting better just recently. But by and large, it's been going on beyond the imagining in the white world. The rates of unemployment, you know, teenage unemployment in the uh, white world and the Negro world today is almost 25%. Can you imagine that? That is a social crime. That's an outrage. There isn't a society in the world which will let 25% of the teenagers go unemployed. Uh, about a quarter of Negro families are headed by women. Uh, the divorce rate is two and a half times what it is. And all the, the, these, the number of fatherless children keeps growing. Um, and all these things getting worse, not better, over recent years. Uh, it's not a, not a matter of a bad situation that doesn't improve but rather a bad situation that worsens. That gets that clear, it's getting worse. How do you learn how to behave from your father and your mother and your older sisters maybe and the people around you? Well, supposing there is no father, or if he is a father, he doesn't work, um, where there is no education, there's no, no sense of, of getting ahead, where children are just brought up without any of that support which a family gives it. Then what do you end up with? Then up a cycle reproducing itself. A UCLA study. study All right, so that was Daniel Patrick Moynihan basically saying, you know, giving a comprehensive overview of the Moynihan report. And we heard from him right there the, the, the four causes that he lists for the disintegration of the black family, particularly in the in the northern urban ghettos. And he does not say it, it's because of welfare. I think I think I think we put the cart the cart before the horse, and we say and we want to say, oh well, welfare dependency is creating the 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 the, uh, the broken family. When it, when the fact of the matter is, is that the larger constraints of segregation, and of racism and of white supremacy and the marginalization, particularly of black men, causes welfare dependency. So we have to put that within its proper context. Now, I have a, this source I'm coming from is, is, is called When Word Disappears, The World of the New Urban Poor by William Julius Wilson. I have something I want to read out of here that, that touches on the topic. It says, there are many factors involved in the precipitous decline in marriage rates and the sharp rise in single parent families. The explanation most often heard in the public debate associates the increase of out-of-wedlock births and single-parent families with welfare. Indeed, it is widely assumed among the general public and reflected in the many recent proposals for welfare reform that a direct causal connection exists between the level of welfare benefits and the likelihood that a young woman will bear a child outside of marriage. However, the scientific evidence offers little support for the claim that AFDC benefits play a significant role in promoting out-of-wedlock births. Research examining the association between the generosity of welfare benefits and out-of-wedlock childbearing and teen pregnancy indicates that benefit levels have no significant effect on the likelihood that African-American girls and women will have children outside of marriage. 
Likewise, welfare rates have either no significant effect or only a small effect on the odds that whites will have children outside marriage. There is no evidence to suggest that welfare is a major factor in the rise of childbearing outside of marriage. And that's something that's something that I always talk about. And actually, Martin Luther King, in, in, in his book that I, that I cited earlier, he quotes E. Franklin Frazier when, he, when, when E. Franklin Frazier called the, the, the migration of, of blacks from the south into the, those northern uh, cities, he called it into the city of destruction. Because as something that, I've, that I always talk about is how that in the south there's a different value system that operates in the south than that operates in the north. The north has always been more liberal than the South, even going back to the Civil War, slavery, the Underground Railroad, and such. If you could make it to to the North, you were pretty good because the North wasn't as uh, as conservative per se uh, than than the South. So that's something I just wanted to touch on with what in respect to what Mugabe just said, because I think there tends to be by Dr. Claude Anderson and others this uh, they they nostalgize. Uh, the, the time period of segregation, because even even back then, even when we were segregated in these urban in these urban city centers, it was just like it is now. Now it might it might be more pronounced now, which that had a lot to do with you know drug culture, the crack cocaine epidemic. But things were pretty rough in the cities then too. I mean that's just the the way um, the the way behaviors uh, react to larger crushing oppression. So I think. Um, the, you know this whole idea about well we were we were more tightly knit and we had it you know we was together and and we had it going on and we, and we was building this and we was building that that is a um, another mischaracterization of of a time period in which many black people were were pushed to the margins and living um, self standard standard lifestyles and that is what the civil rights movement was about. And that is what integration is was meant to um, to address in a comprehensive way. Okay, I'll yield on that. And uh, design, you can go ahead and say anything, add to that, or, or what, give your thoughts. All right, absolutely. Um, and I'd like to add to that by stating that I could I could that you said earlier about um, segregation in, in neighborhoods. And I'd like to right. read out of a source called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein where he is stating that okay. a lot of rated line policies that the Federal Housing Administration instituted, which it actually caused a lot of deterioration and a decay of the black neighborhoods. So I would like to read um, an excerpt out of his book called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. He states okay. that the FHA's red line necessitated a contract sales system for black homeowners unable to obtain conventional mortgages, and this created conditions for neighborhood deterioration. Mark Feder was a right. Chicago attorney who in the early 1960s represented contract buyers facing eviction. Mostly, he was unsuccessful. His daughter, Burrow, now a professor of history at Rutgers University, described the conditions he encountered in his memoir, Family Properties, and summarized them like this. Because black contract buyers knew how easily they could lose their homes, they struggled to make their inflated monthly payments. Husbands and wives both worked double shifts. They neglected basic maintenance. They subdivided their apartments, crammed in extra tenants, and when possible, charged their tenants healthy rent, hefty rents. 
white people observed that their new black neighbors overcrowded and neglected their properties. Overcrowded neighborhoods meant overcrowded schools. In Chicago, officials responded by double-shifting the students, half to 10 in the morning, half in the afternoon. Children were deprived of four days of schooling and left to fend for themselves in the after-school hours. These conditions helped fuel the rise of gangs, which in turn terrorized shop owners and residents alike. In the end, whites fled these neighborhoods not only because of the influx of black families, but also because they were upset about overcrowding, decaying schools, and crime. But black contract buyers did not have the option of leaving a declining neighborhood before their properties were paid for in full. If they did, they would lose everything they invested in their property to date. Whites could leave, and blacks had to stay. So when we talk about segregation was really the best thing for our people, we have to take into account that, like I stated earlier, that there was deteriorating schools. I mean, mm-hmm. we couldn't actually um, fund the maintenance of our homes because they had a right. thing called white flight where they would have black people come in the neighborhood and play their music loud. They would pay them to do so just so that would cause the white people to panic and desert and abandon their neighborhoods. So then that's when black people had moved into the neighborhood and they had the Federal Housing Administration with the red line of policies had denied black people loans and their mortgages so that they couldn't have no money for maintenance. They couldn't even um have mortgages where they could actually take equity out in their home. And we, we and we act as if People were um, people actually were segregated because well we were conscious and we were trying to um, disassociate ourselves with white society, but people failed to realize that we had to do that by choice. We we couldn't actually become segregated um, because no, I, I mean segregated by force, not by choice, because there was a lot right. of policies that were put in the place where. We couldn't even have access to a certain facility without having to to worry about a mob attacking us. Right. So segregation, actually, the, the conditions that segregation set up actually was almost just as detrimental as when we decided to integrate into um, American, American society. Right. So that, that's my oh. um, disposition on that. Okay. Um, okay, McGavin, you can you can respond to what to what you heard, and 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 I guess Duncan Duncan may have forgot or or whatever he hasn't joined us, so you can you can actually take the floor um, a li- for a little longer if you would like. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, let, let me let me just let me just start by stating this: um, no one is taking away from the importance of integration for our people. What we're stating or what I'm stating and what what many of our uh, contemporary uh, quote-unquote leaders are stating is that we have come to a point as a people where we need to have a serious conversation about separation. Right. 
This is the point. It's not about whether or not we have full federal integration. We understand that. We understand, and I'm, I'm going to speak to y'all like we in the same room. I don't care who's listening to this. I'm going to speak to y'all like y'all, we, 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 we're like we're in, this, in the car together rolling somewhere. The, 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 the cracker has got to a point where he knows and we know that we can't get along anymore. We have to. We right. have to understand that. We have to understand that this mother, this, 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 this person within the human family does not. This person within the human family does not respect us on any level. We have to get to a point that we understand that this person is has has shown has had a history of. Rape, murder, and every crime imaginable against our people. And for us to sit here and continue to pretend like uh, we can get along with this person in the human family is laughable. You can't, if if you're expecting integration on the social level, not the federal level, not the legal level, we need that. If you're expecting into full integration on the social level, you are a damn fool. This this person has done everything in his power to prove to you and show you that he doesn't like you. Let's take for example, let's go into the history record and and and, and I say this because there's a lot of people that they they don't and I don't really like to browbeat people, but a person can't call itself conscious, woke, pro-black, or anything that's similar to that if you don't understand certain uh, aspects of, of 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 the law. And if right. we go back in time and we look at uh, 1865, Emancipation Proclamation by Abraham Lincoln, you know, we were taught that that was that was our catch all be all that was our that was our salvation but there was a gap between 1865 and in 1896 where there was no federal regulations regarding integration or segregation it was all in the state's lap so states had the authority to say whether we can integrate or segregate and most of them took took what position course they took the segregation uh, uh position but in 1896 there's a supreme court there's a there's a case that goes to the supreme court plessy versus ferguson plessy versus ferguson is a basically a white man he's seven eighths white one eighth black take notes people if y'all listening plessy is a basically a white man he buys a ticket on a train in the first class section, which is the white car. And he gets on the train and he starts to talk about people, talks talk to people about who he is. And he says, yeah, I'm seven eighths white and I'm one eighths black. But during this time, this is in Louisiana now, during this time, they have the rule of hypo descent, meaning that if you're the one drop rule is in effect. So right. Mr. Plessy, Mr. Plessy being uh, uh, one-eighth black, 
he gets kicked off the train, arrested, and thrown in jail because of his one-eighth black. Now, mind you, this is all a setup. He's part of a uh, group. I can't remember the name right off the top of my head. Pardon me, y'all. But they raised $300,000 back in 1896 for the sole purpose of putting this case together. And what they were doing is trying to show that the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution, for those of y'all that don't know, I need y'all to, I need y'all to study the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment to the Constitution. These are the Reconstruction Amendments. This is important right. to the Plessy case. Now, long story short, uh, 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 Mr. Plessy gets arrested. He gets thrown off the train, and it takes four years for his case to get, excuse me, it takes four years before his case is seen by the Supreme Court. He loses the case. He loses the case. The Supreme Court decision is is seven to one that that black folks cannot be on the same train with white folks, reinforcing what? Segregation. Now, what did that case do? That case what what is what solidified what we now what we now know in history as the Jim Crow laws. It made the right. Jim Crow laws possible. This is the Plessy, again, Plessy versus Ferguson case. Now, this is white folks. This is the ruling class of people saying that segregation is needed. See, this is why we don't talk about segregation versus integration. This is why we talk about separation versus integration. Now, allow me to continue. Fast okay. forward. This is eight. This is 1896 that the Plessy versus Ferguson decision, uh, 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 the case happens. Fast forward to, I believe, don't quote me on this, 1954, uh, 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 Brown versus Board of Education. Not until 1954 is the doctrine of separate but equal, because this is what this is what Plessy versus Ferguson set in motion. Separate but equal, meaning right. that white folks can have this, black folks can have that, but, you know, it's separate, but it's equal, and we know that that shit never panned out. Like the brother just said, black folks had inferior schools, inferior hospitals, inferior communities. You know, if you go charge, if you go tax me like a cracker, you're going to have to, you, you, if you go tax me like I'm a cracker, you got to you, you gotta put my city infrastructure like I'm a goddamn cracker. And that's, and, you know, but right. I'm not going to go there right, right. now. Now, I, I said that to say this. Let's fast forward to uh, 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 Brown versus Board of Education. Brown versus Board of Education, we finally get to a point where, where, where uh, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson is challenged. Plessy versus Ferguson is overruled, meaning that black folks, there is no such thing as separate but equal. Black folks, you can't, there is, you can't inherently, you can't say that, that people are inherently equal, but then we keep them separated. So they said, you know what, we need to integrate these schools. Now, fast forward again to 1964, the uh, um, uh, civil rights legislation. When the civil rights legislation comes in, and that gives us uh, voting rights and things of that nature, and and this is this is this is the uh, this is the uh, uh, this is the environment that created our our beloved brother, Dr. Martin Luther King. 
You dig what I'm saying? Right. We understand it. This is important. This is important to our people. This isn't a. This isn't a uh, some a bullshit. This isn't a uh, fly by night thing. This is very important. Right. This 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 environment creates our brother, Dr. Martin Luther King, and he's 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 a pacifist. We know we we understand that. We respect that. And but what we did as a people is. We did what we do to this day. We we're, we we uh, overcompensate. We we took the doctrine of we shall overcome and everybody's the same, and we overcompensated that. We we started to believe that all we had to do was was be in white neighborhoods and go to white schools and go to white institutions and 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 that was going to make us somehow equal to. Equal to the white man You don't get equality by osmosis You can't be next to a motherfucker And and somehow gain Equality with him You know equality Power is not conceded uh, 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 Friendly It's not conceded uh, Just like hey you know what we gotta give up some of our power You know what I mean So, And I said that to say this It's not a This isn't for, for me I can't speak for anyone else. For me, this isn't a conversation about integration versus segregation. This is a conversation about, yes, thank you for integration. We appreciate that. Now we need to possibly move forward and seriously consider separation. And on that note, I yield the floor. Okay. Um, I thank you for that, you know, for that comprehensive uh, history lesson. Um, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. And, and I, you know, I get the sense of many black people who, um, who, who, who want to separate. And I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to piggyback off of a point you just made. We don't get equality by osmosis. So I don't think that we should, we should conflate separation with liberation or, or equality. Because the fact of the matter is this, is that when we talk about separating from, from the dominant society, we're also talking about separating from the political, social, and economic power structure of American life. And so, and so separation at that, at that point becomes um, isolation. I think the I think the way forward for us as a people, and I and I this is something I've consistently said that there needs to be a fundamentally new vision for Black America, is one where we we integrate further into the system and have true integration because that's something that that these scholars ignore is the fact that integration, due to the white backlash and the con, the rise of conservatism, neoconservatism, um, under Ronald Reagan basically gutted all of those civil rights laws. It basically it, it did that with affirmative action. It did that um, with the voting rights laws. So this, that is something that is integral to American society. It was the same thing like with, this, with the Civil War. The Civil War came and freed the slaves. Here's the white backlash implementing Jim Crow. So we have to understand that whatever move we make that is, that is perceived as progress by the dominant society there's going to be a backlash. That's what that's what this whole thing with Donald Trump is. It's a white backlash. So we have to understand that. So Agreed. as I was saying, as we integrate further into in, in, into American society, our goal should should be to exert further control 
over the power apparatus. And, and the prime example of that is what was just attempted with, with the NFL boycott. Now, think about this. If we had all black leagues and we didn't have an integrated national football, football league, there would not have been a prospect of, of having a boycott to cripple the corporate sponsors of, of the NFL and, and corporate entities in America to bring about some level of change. And they still would be killing, killing black people in the streets. So, so for me, the way I look at it, and, I, and, the, and the way that Dr. Martin Luther King looked at it, he lays it out, out in his book very well, is what is the most effective approach for black people? Separation is not, does not equate to autonomy. It just doesn't. It, what it really equates to is it equates to isolation, and, and by isolation you isolate yourself from the, from the, the, the power apparatus of American society. And something that, that Dr. E. Franklin Frazier talked about in his book, The Black Bourgeoisie, was this myth of business, black business, as being some grand equalizer uh, for the, the upliftment of the social and economic concerns of the Negroes. And within the context of what Dr. Paul Anderson talks about with his, with his Powernomics series, the, the question for me is this, is can the formation of a black oligarchy serve to uh, exist to serve the interests of of the black collective? That is the fundamental question when we talk about. Can I answer that? Can I answer that? Okay, and 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 I'm I'm going to answer that like this. Unfortunately, unfortunately, as human beings, as Homo sapiens. We are always going to have a class struggle. We can get rid of racism tomorrow. We're going to have a class struggle. And if if the intellects amongst our community are in a position to look out for the non-intellectuals in our community, it's a better chance that the non-intellectuals in our community will have a fairer shake from the black bourgeois as opposed to the non-black bourgeois. Because at the end of the day, there's an aspect of nepotism in the homo right. sapien species. Right. And I'll yield the floor on that. All right, I, I, um, I, I, I get that, but I think, I think it's a dangerous um, precedent and a slippery slope when the, the prospects of, a, of an entire group is placed within the hands of a small collective. That's something that we've seen throughout history because this is something that you, that you talked about with, with the class struggle. Intra-group intra class, classism is just as problematic as external group classism. So, so again, with, can the creation of a black oligarchy exist to serve the, 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 the prospects of black people as a group? And I think it probably to, an, to a certain extent it, it probably can. But, again, I'm, now I'm, I have to put it back within the historical context of the, of the discussion we're having because something that, get, that constantly gets promoted, which is nothing more than a, than a, than a, a pro-black trope, is that um, 
we well we was we had Black Wall Street. We had we had um we had Black Wall Street, North Carolina. We had this. We had that. We just had it going on. We had a bunch of communities, and and that's something I always ask people. Okay, define community. How do we define what a community is? A community is a space where you control your economics, you control your education, you control your your politics, and you control your legal system. The the fact of the matter is, we've never had a community within American society. We've been a, we've been a part of a larger community that is based on classism and racism and structure and and we have been oriented at the bottom of that. So it seems to me that the the, the focal point of, of of black people as a group should be to situate ourselves uh higher within that within that 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 caste system. But whether we're talking about uh based on on uh class, on income, the the social economics economics of it, Absolutely. social pol- pol- political uh, politics of it, that's something that we should be, um, should, be work- should be working toward. First, I think if we were saying Longview, I, I think we could entertain the idea of a, of a black separate, you know, separate nation where we have our own, our own sovereignty. But in order to see that come to fruition, we have to master where we are now. We have to build up the we have to build up the political clout to do that. Because that's Absolutely. something that I've consistently said. The problem that faces black people is not an economic one. It's a political one. Because economics is a reflection of the political context in which it exists. So Asians come over here for example, they 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 um they have higher per capita net income than white people. That is a reflection of the larger global politics at play because Asia is an economic power force. Uh, has, I think Asia might have the, large, the world, not Asia, I'm sorry, China. I, I, I know America has the world's fourth largest economy. I think China might have the, the number one. I can't remember, but I'm just saying that we, we want to act as if these things take place, take place in a vacuum. So when we go to we go we go to the to the grocery store down down in the hood and they got a Korean there. That is a reflection of the of the geopolitics that Korea and America share. So everything is po- is political. For, the problem for us is that our home country is the one that is oppressing us based on race. So we have to devise a strategy that um, that effectively deals with that where we are. And and and, and now, actually, may I ask uh, a question, brother? Yeah, go ahead. Now, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I actually that that's okay. the that that's our common ground. You are absolutely right. right on that. And I said that to say this as as 40 million strong. Even if we all were on the same page, this country is a democracy. This country right. operates on, on the principle of one man, one vote, even though a lot of people don't understand that, even though people they don't understand the, the, the political implications of, 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 um, of, of, of the, the, when the presidential election has the electoral college. And, but it's still right. fundamentally, fundamentally it's, it's a democracy, and it operates on the principle of one man, one vote. And the 40 million of us that are here, we are at best 15% of the nation's population. 
That's at best. Right. Right. Now I said that to say, how do we, how do we uh, position ourselves to do mm-hmm. what's beneficial for our people, void of, uh, 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 void of bringing other people in, and, and by that I mean uh, a multiculturalism. How do we? Avoid a multicultural platform because I'm. Uh, if you you know me, brother, I'm. I don't believe in the multicultural platform. I believe in the pro-black platform. And right. how do we not, how do we avoid having a multicultural platform in a democracy? And I'll yield the floor on that. Okay, um, that's something that's uh, that's a bit more. Um, dubious and, and elusive to 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 attain, um, like because you know for, for better or for worse, America has has been for the for the larger part of its existence a multi a multicultural multi ethnic ethnic nation. Even when we start getting into the breakdown of 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 race with white and black, many of the many of 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 those considered white are different ethnicities. You have the Irish, you have Italians. You have the yep. Hispanics. All these group, all these, all these subsets, subset groups are classified as white, but they have different cultural, cultural experiences and cultural backgrounds. That's something that we're going to have to come to grips with. Uh, again, this is why I said we have to look at it within the larger um, context of of the reality of our situation. Now, I do have another source that I want to read out of because because even I touched on Dr. Claude Anderson and his power economics, um, which I'm not even saying any, there's anything wrong with power economics. My gripe with Dr. Claude Anderson is the way he classifies and he and he portrays the civil rights movement and what doc, and what Dr. Martin Luther King was trying to get done. That is my biggest gripe with him. Power economics sounds you know it sounds viable viable to me doing everything. As a black, but I would just want to point out to the good doctor that under segregation, the only thing you could do as a black was not vote and get your ass beat. Okay, so let me read this out. Of, this is coming out of the Negro Capitalist, a study of banking and business among American Negroes, and the author is Abram L. Harris. He was a um, he was an economist um, in the early 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 20th century, and I'm gonna gonna read an excerpt out of this. He said, while the Negroes' hope of creating an independent black economy dates back to pre-Civil War days, the differential disadvantages suffered by the Negro masses as compared with the whites since the Depression of 1929 have caused the ideal to gain renewed popularity. One of the groups advocating it follows the individualistic economies and optimistic naivete of Booker T. Washington. It would therefore develop the black economy upon a strictly competitive and private profit basis. Another group would have it developed through the mobilization of the purchasing power of the black masses. On the one hand, by organizing the masses into producers and consumer cooperatives, and on the other, by using the boycott to force white concerns that have a large Negro market to employ Negroes in clerical and executive positions, the leadership of this second group is being rapidly assumed by Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois, who has practically abandoned as futile the movement for Negro rights and civil liberty 
which he so militantly led for a quarter of a century. It is impossible to draw any great distinction between these two groups. They shade imperceptibly into each other. Their common ideology is middle class. Neither group, of course, sees the limits of a separate economy are precariously narrow within the confines of the present industrial system. How the independent black economy is to develop and function in the face of persistent industrial integration, business combinations, the centralization of capital control, meaning the formation of a central bank, and the concentration of wealth none of the advocates of the plan can explain. Du Bois, while admitting the difficulty of establishing his segregated cooperative economy, believes that through self-sacrifice and enterprise, the plan is highly feasible. At all events, he maintains that the experiment must be tried if the Negro workers and farmers are to survive until the inevitable social revolution. As long as capitalism remains, however, it is reasonably certain that the main arteries of commerce, industry, credit, and finance will be controlled by white capitalists. Under the circumstances, the great mass of black and white men will continue dependent upon these capitalists for their livelihood, and the small Negro businessman and the small white capitalists will continue to subordinate to these larger financial and industrial interests. Thus, it is obvious that the independent black economy, whether it develops upon the basis of private profit or cooperation, cannot be the means of achieving the Negro's economic salvation. So, what I just read, uh, the, the, the uh, revered uh, scholar and economist, he basically broke it down. The larger, the larger problem uh, is, is capitalism itself, because capitalism will always be dominated and controlled by the white capitalists who created, who constructed no the idea, no the ideology of race, of capitalism. Okay, if you disagree, tell me how that's not, tell me how that's not right. Hold on, let, let, mm. uh, design hasn't had the floor for a while. Yeah, design, absolutely. Design, you can add that or whatever and then. Okay, like the brother that's said, the like um, with the political, social, economic structure, we have to realize mm. that we don't have no control, we don't have no, um, we don't have no, how can I say, we, we don't administer the entire political, social, economic structure in society, so we have to take that into account when we try, we're talking about trying to separate. Although we might right. separate, we still relying on their resources to even maintain our daily lives, so we have to take exactly. that into account when we, we make that discussion. We have that discussion, and right. a government, a, a community is when we actually control the political, social, and economics within our community, such as our own form of currency, our own form of government, our own form of um, businesses and establishments that are actually operating land by us, where we actually manufacture our products. So we can't right. discuss. Um, Separation without actually having devising a plan where we can actually control our own politics, social, and economic. And I'll go ahead and yield on that and let the brothers speak. All right. Let me say your rebuttal. <laughs> let, let me let me say this: separation is not synonymous with isolation. Mm, okay. Again, separation is not synonymous with isolation. 
if we look at the at the Japanese, the Japanese were uh, were an agrarian people for a very long time, and then they developed a a an economy. They developed an industry for themselves that put them in the front of the world. They didn't. They didn't say we're going to separate. They didn't say we're going to isolate ourselves. They said we're going to step our game up. As black folks, we need to step our game up. It's not about uh, isolation. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm promoting. I'm not promoting being right. uh, a, a, a people on an island somewhere that that nobody knows about. This isn't. This isn't Black Panther. This isn't Wakanda. You know. You know. We're not a hidden people. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, we are. What we have to do is we have to be a people that the world recognizes as a in as bringing something positive to the human family. And it says these people are responsible for that. Like right now, when you think about when you think about uh, 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 electronics, who do you think about? You think about the goddamn Asians. When you think about right. weapons, who do you think about? You think about the goddamn uh, Europeans. When you think about uh, 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 certain things, there's demographics of people that you think about. And we have to That's get true. to that point within the human family to where when people think about a certain thing that's positive, it, it, whatever, however you think about it, that's positive. People say, hey, man, them Africans and the African descendants, that's what they do. That's them. You dig what I'm saying? It's no more shucking and jiving. We know for rapping and dancing and shooting ball and we, 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 everybody's, we, 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 fuck all that, uh, 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 being the, being the cheerleaders for, 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 uh, the human, human justice. We have to have a stake in the human family to where people say black folks are, what was the contribution of the, the the 19th, 20th, and 21st century Africans, and we have to get to that point. It, and when and that's why when I say a uh, 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 separation, we can't get to that point being uh, tied to the hip with with people that that fundamentally don't like us. And on that point, I yield the floor. Um, I I mean I I, I hear what you're what you're saying, uh, Mugabe. I I really do. But again, for me, it goes back to. It goes back to, to strategy and what's going to be um, most effective in in getting in getting the goal accomplished. Again, I think the long the long range goal should be something um, along the lines of of a pan Africanist vision for you know for, for African descended peoples all over the planet. But before we can get to that point, as Black people here in America, we have to deal with with our situation um, as, as it stands right now. We're more racially segregated than ever. Uh, along along spatial lines, we live in in communities, uh, for the lack of a better term, that are that are wholly um, segregated. And and as segregation seg- and as being segregated, they are isolated. There's something called uh, the isolation index that that. And I'm coming out of the American Apartheid: Segregation and the Making of the Underclass by Douglas S. Massey and Nancy A. Denton. And the isolation index, it it it's a metric that they use to um, 
quantify how segregated a given community or group of people are, and it's something and that's something that you, that we always hear where the Jews, the Germans, the, the the Japanese, none of these other groups that that we like to point to, and and that's something that even Dr. Martin Luther King pointed out in his book. None of these other groups that that we point to have ever had a, a, a isolation index above twenty percent. For black people in America, our isolation index is upwards of ninety percent, and it has been for for um, for a very long time. So, and and that's one thing we have to understand too that seg- they're not segregating you just because they don't like you. They're segregating you because by segregating you, they can control you. And it doesn't have to be where they control you directly. They control you indirectly when uh, when we talk about taxes, the way the way certain the tax bases of of, of certain areas. Are, are are constructed and are and are funded. So they so they take all the money out of your small localized area where you're segregated at within the inner city, and they take that money and they redistribute it to other to to the to suburban areas. Because even that's something else they talk about in this book, American Apartheid, is that even um, affluent black areas are adjacent or are very near to. To um to urban ghettos and 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 there's a bleed off effect where the the problems that persist in those ghettos will affect um those black suburbs. So this is all this is all constructed and is a, and, and is a plan. And this is why I keep going back to how do we effectively combat that? I think before we can even start talking about uh our contribution as a people to the human family, we have to deal with the way we are situated within the stratum of American life politically socially economically and, and and that's my my argument and 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 these black these pro black scholars have done a great disservice within the minds of of the black masses who who unfortunate who unfortunately don't think for themselves don't study for themselves and and merely take what they they hear and take it as the gospel truth because now how, we don't even have we don't even have a a, a real strategy formulated uh, it, it's a it's 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 an oversimplification to say well we were just dead off before segregation man you know we we had it going we were dead off this is a complex but that's the psycho- complex that's psychological component that bro that's but a, they don't, that's, they, but that's they never a, specify the psychology hold on but because they never specify the psych the psychological component that's what I'm saying like I get okay. I get I get the psychological aspect of what they're saying. But they never say that. They just they, because then when I go and I talk to perhaps people they're on, not cognizant they, of it, brother. Perhaps they're, they're not cognizant even, of it. Perhaps they're not cognizant of it. The 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 so called the so called leaders in the community. Perhaps they're not cognizant when they say something like, "We were better off during." Uh, uh, segregation as opposed to integration. Maybe they're not cognizant that they're speaking about a psychological phenomenon as opposed to a quantitative social phenomenon. Maybe they're not cognizant of that. But right, but they, but I mean, but you, that's why you have to be if you're gonna if you're gonna be in leadership position and, and say you're you're fighting for your people, you have to be clear on what you mean because right, this is what I'm saying. Now we're we're so we're so disjointed as a people. Where we have all these different sects, all these different um, different ideologies and philosophies, that you can't even bring black people together to, to form in a movement to deal with our quantitative, the, the, our quantitative social dilemma. See, because because now we're putting all our stock in in, in something as intangible as as a psychosis. You see what I'm saying? And if we improve the quantitative 
um, social social standings of black people, that will invariably affect their psychology. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, then. So, so that's, what we ha- that's what we have to deal with. That's what we have to, that's what we have to, have to um, deal with. Because even Dr. Claude Anderson has said that, you know, segregation was the worst thing that ever happened to black people. And I mean, I'm like, are you serious? Because you can't, and that's why I always ask them, tell me, give me one thing that happened to black people post-integration that they couldn't do before. Can I say this, bro? Open the floodgates for them to do what they're doing to us. They've been doing it. Yeah, that's right. Can I say this, family? Yeah, you got when, it. When Dr. Anderson make, makes that remark, that remark is purely out of emotion. He's intelligent right. enough to know better than that. You know, and he, right. he was one of the guys that he wrote affirmative action policy during the Carter administration. So he's much more intelligent than that soundbite. You dig what I'm saying? That that's a that's that's feel good rhetoric. That's feel good rhetoric for the for lack of a better word, for 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 some of us that don't have the intellectual capacity to do the research. You dig what I'm saying? Right. And, and right. I said that to say this. Sometimes you have to, as a matter of propaganda, and propaganda is not always a bad thing. Propaganda sometimes right. is a good thing. As a matter of propaganda, sometimes you have to use feel-good rhetoric to to communicate with the masses of people that don't have the same intellectual capacity as you. And we see this mm. also in the realm of religion. And let me, in speaking of religion, this was a point that I wanted to make. When we look mm. at, when we look at uh, 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 the biblical text, and you know my religious disposition, so you know I don't have a right. dog in the fight. <laughs> when we look at the right. <laughs> when we look at the religious text, when we look at the book of Exodus, what was the book of Exodus? The book of Exodus was like Moses was like, let's get up out of here, y'all. Let's 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 get out. Let's get away from these cats. You dig what I'm saying? Right. This is in biblical text. This is a, there. Right. There's never been. There in in the historical record, there has never been a people that had a positive experience with integration. The positive experience is with separation. And 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak to your viewers about my views on that. But um, I know a lot of your viewers are of a certain religious persuasion and if they just read right. the book of Exodus it's there. Moses said hey I'm going to throw a stick down and, and and he threw a stick down and turned into a snake Pharaoh threw a stick down and turned into a snake and they went into this whole little snake stick battle and then eventually they had to get up out of there right. <laughs> you know what I mean like let's just be let's just yeah, be genuinely honest with this Let's 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 look at the historical record and and in my opinion and it's just my opinion I apologize to anybody who takes the story literal. In my opinion, the story of ex- Exodus is is uh it's not a factual event; it's metaphorical. Uh, uh, 
And if you just look at the metaphor of that, the metaphor of that is if somebody is whooping on your head, get up out their damn way. Don't sit up there and keep asking them to treat you right. You dig what I'm saying? And if we look at the historical record, we look at the historical record of this country, the the United States, the British. What was the what was the Boston Tea Party about? The the Boston Tea Party was about these cats was tired of getting overtaxed and doing all the labor and having to send the bread back to Europe. They're like, man, we we're not fucking with y'all no more, man. We finna do our own thing, sovereignty. You know, at some right. point, a people has to get it in their system that the, 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 the ruling class does not give a damn about you. And once you get to that point where the ruling, once you understand, now, don't get me wrong, logistically, moving 40 million people is some weird stuff to comprehend. I don't pretend right. to know how to do that. <laughs> I, I, I don't even pretend to know how to do that. <laughs> but but if in 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 all intellectual honesty, we can't continue to expect equality and 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 and, and fair treatment here on this landmass from this goddamn cracker. That's not what he do. He's a colonizer. He's a colonizer at heart. You know, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have, that's not in his DNA. His DNA is, right. is, is control, you know, and, 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 and until we get to that understanding and say, and I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying where we need to establish some type of, uh, we need to establish some type of uh, uh, influence within the, within the judicial, economic, and political system here right now. You're absolutely right. I don't I don't discount that at all, brother. You know you you right. are ten thousand percent right about that. But the bigger goal, the long term objective, should be saying do should we should we in essence pack up our shit. You know, we in a we in a dysfunctional relationship with the cracker. You know what I mean? Let's right. just be real. We in a we in a very right. I mean, dysfunctional I, relationship. But I, I, I yield for everything you just said. Yeah, I, 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 let me respond to that because I understand everything you just said, and and you you did use a you used a perfect example with you know with with I, the I book like of and, this, and well go ahead go go ahead Dijon go ahead. All right. Um. Okay. I understand the brother saying separation and. We dealt like with Moses, how Moses had led his people um, from Egyptian bondage by leading them out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness. I mean, but however, if the people don't have any resources, the people don't have any type of government, don't have any type of things that can allow them to become military. Any, mil- any, any military might. What's the purpose of separating them away from each other? You don't have nothing to give them in the process. So you got to have something to provide the people. And that's why the children of Israel was complaining because Moses didn't have no food or no water to actually provide for the people after he led them out of Egyptian bondage. So you got to have a political, social, economic structure to provide these people where they can actually separate themselves and don't have to be reliant on their resources in order for their survival. So we got to take that into account as well. That, that, that's, that's, I mean, if, if, if you're choosing uh, a if, if you if, if you're choosing assimilation, just say you're choosing assimilation, family. 
I mean, that's just cut to the chase. If you choose to be, if you choose to be, if you choose to be this cracker's bitch, just say you want to be this cracker's bitch, it's so to speak. You dig what I'm saying? If you don't, if you don't want to be this cracker's bitch, just say I, I'm, I refuse to be this cracker's bitch. I mean, that, there's, well, a, there's a point. The Haitians, the Haitians didn't say that. Tucson. Tucson Overture didn't, didn't didn't come up with excuses as to why they didn't go for revolution. How many years ago was that? Hold on, hold on. How many years ago was that? How many years ago was the, was the Haiti uh, revolution? A, a good two months. One thing we have to acknowledge is that every other Caribbean island nation Got their their de facto their independence and their de facto independence because Haiti is still controlled indirectly economically. Let's be very clear on that. But every other Caribbean island nation got their their liberation before before us over here on the American mainland. And the reason why is 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 simple logistics. It's logistics and it's 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 uh it's military it's it's a military problem. I, there is no way that we're going to overthrow these people militarily. That's not going to happen. It's, it, 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 the time for us to do that has passed. We have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge because that's something I'm very critical of with the with the pro black movement and the rise of the extreme um, black power movement during the civil rights era is by them posturing as they were. It 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 facilitated. The, the the creation of all these different mechanisms that they have in place now to stop that. So now you have a SWAT team ready for you if you get out of pocket. You have uh, Rex 84, King Alfred Plan, FEMA camps, the militarization of police. All these things were a direct response of what uh, uh, of the, the 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 violent posture they took during the civil rights movement. From a strategy standpoint. Dr. Martin Luther King had the right strategy. That is something that he listed in his book. He said, I, he said, I'm, he no. said I'm averse to violence. He said, I'm averse to violence as, as the strategy because we, we neither have the means nor the instruments to, to be violent effectively against a military power that takes down sovereign nations with standing militaries. Let's be realistic here. Let's be realistic. Let's uh, be practical. Okay. You, you, you're absolutely. You're, you're, guess what? Guess what? Dr. King, at the end of the day, was a pacifist. Let's be honest about Dr. King. Dr. King okay. was not was, was not a military man. Dr. King never had sovereignty in his heart. Dr. King never had independence in his heart. Dr. King had assimilation in his heart. And there has never been a time since the advent of the gun that black people have ever been in a position to quote unquote defeat the white man militarily. But all throughout the world we've still been doing it. And I said that to say this. I'm not saying that we have to physically overthrow the white man. I'm not saying that we have to physically take something over. We have to separate ourselves socially, politically, economically from these people. 
let me say that again. We have to separate ourselves socially, politically, and economically from these people. We have to participate in the programs. Don't get me wrong. Don't drop out. I would love to see a million young brothers become the police. I would love to see that shit. You dig what I'm saying? So we can have some representation on the front line. I would love to see that. But you can't sit here and think that these people are going to ever fully respect you for trying to assimilate. This is just this is just normal human behavior. Normal human behavior separates amongst tribal lines. Africans <laughs> been in Africa. A, for, hold on, because assimilate assimilate is a buzzword. Because what at at what point at what's what's the what what's the line that exists between assimilation and infiltration? What's the difference? And, there, and this is just proof that's set by the real principle. What's the difference between assimilation and infiltration? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, okay, I can respect right, that. Out. I can. All right, go ahead. I can respect that. There, there is a, there is a, there is a, a, a gray area between assimilation and infiltration. But for the most part, we don't have infiltrators. We have assimilators. Like, and that's what we're saying. Brought down. We have to develop infiltrators. That's what. That's what I'm saying. I'm not. Uh, to, I, that, I don't dispute that. Right. I don't dispute that, brother. I, I don't dispute that at all. But you you got most of our people, and, and unfortunately, if you look at most of our movements, they were brought down by who? They were brought down by infiltrators that were on the wrong team. <laughs> you know, Garvey was brought you know, down by infiltrator that was on the wrong team. Like, this is something that perplexes me. We talk about having our own separate economy, society, politics, but we don't talk about having our own separate intelligence agencies. Seems to me that that was right. the first thing to do, was create, was create your own separate intelligence. It's almost like the undercover brother thing. You know, where they had the brother fighting the man. Right. It would almost be like yes, that. Sir. Like, you need that to operate. And that's something I, 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 cause I had a conversation with Dr. Randy Short a couple of weeks ago um, about about this topic, and I told him, I told him, for you know, whether we like it or not, we have to do business within the the larger American um, social, you know, social structure and, and apparatus. And and I told him, I call integration social social espionage. What we have to be the what we have to be focused on developing because this is one of the failures of the civil rights movement and the integrationist view is that they did not they did not provide a code of conduct um, once. Once these these laws came into place, and it's, it's, it's that's a point that's a good point you made when you said that we act like it was going to come by osmosis, and we thought that being right next to people, working right next to white people, living right next to white people, eating right next eating right next to white people, would get us where we wanted to be. When when no, that wasn't the case. It, it takes sustained strategic uh, organization, uh, social, political, and economic action to get to where we want to go. I agree that the long goal should be a pan a pan Africanist view or something akin to it. But for us right now, how how can we talk about bettering the hopes of somebody in in in, in Africa somewhere when we have people languishing in in urban ghettos right now? How do we fix their situation? Should be our focus first and foremost. Because if we fix their situation, 
is going to fix our situation. And if we fix our situation, then we can branch out and start fixing other people's situation. It, right now, we have, to be, we have to be more microscopic in our view as it pertains to us because it's going to take us to actually get something like a pan-Africanist view um, going. And that's something that, you know, Dr. Carl Anderson has said, and I, and I agree with him. I agree with him there. I, would, I want to make this announcement. We have, we have roughly 28 minutes of the, of the live stream next uh, left, I mean, and we'll probably go over, go over a few minutes, and the entire, the entire video will be uploaded on our YouTube page at, um, at Great Liberators. But yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's, you know, that's all I've been saying. I think that we have to acknowledge that you've had uh, individuals who, who, who position themselves as black leaders, and they seek to act as a go-between between the larger dominant society and, and black society, and it's, it's one in which they, they seek to serve themselves. Now, something I do want to address, and I want to play this clip. Kenya, you have the clip of, of Malcolm X talking, um, talking about segregation? Yes, I do. Play that clip for me, because they all, they, there's this trope going on that, well, Martin Luther King, he was starting to change at the end, and he was tricked, but then he started changing everything like that, you know, and Martin Malcolm X is always <laughs> on the black power nationalistic and separatist. Let's see what Malcolm X said about this segregation of view. Play that clip for me, Kenya. <laughs> well, Mr. X, I guess I call you that. Is that the proper uh, appellation, yes. Mr. X? I- I'm wondering if you still believe, as I think you certainly did at you know, the time you were allied to the black Muslim movement, in a segregated black nation no north america no. i don't believe in any form of segregation or any form of racism did you say hold on no no I, 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 go ahead you can play kenya i'm sorry <laughs> yeah black people and as long as I thought he genuinely believed that himself, uh, I believed in him and believed in his solution. But when I began to doubt that he himself believed that that was feasible, and I saw no kind of action designed to bring it into existence or bring it about, then uh, mm. I turned into different direction. Are you still a Muslim? Yourself? Oh, yes. I'm a Muslim. I believe in the religion of Islam, which believes in brotherhood, complete brotherhood of all people. But at the same time that I believe in this brotherhood, I don't believe enforcing my uh, desire for brotherhood upon those who aren't willing to accept it. Because I think the Christians would say that they also believe their brotherhood. All right, can you, you cut it off? He said, he said what I wanted to say. Now, we see right here Malcolm X is saying that Elijah Muhammad is pushing, is pushing a view that he knows isn't, know isn't feasible. And something else, I have another clip, too. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm aware about playing it with Malcolm X when he talks about how Elijah Muhammad made a made an agreement with the KKK in Georgia because that's where Elijah Poole was from to leave him alone. But you're gonna leave all these other black people subject to the, what the KKK is doing. That is a that is the position of a lot of these so-called black leaders, and they should be called out. Now Farrakhan, the great venerated you know elder, much respect to him, but he did break away from the traditional. Um, Nation of Islam because they they were moving more toward Malcolm X's view of uh, a, a multi ethnic multicultural Muslim brotherhood. Did he not? <laughs> That's why he broke okay, off okay. because he now, wanted to now, keep going. Let, let, let me say this. Let, let me say this. Let me, let me say this. 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 Let me say this.
when you when you're talking about a, I, I deal with a lot of Muslims, and and you know okay. if if I didn't have the views that I have, if I was a little if I was a little more sleepy, I probably would be a Muslim. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I understand where they're coming from. They right. the the Muslim Brotherhood is is a strong brotherhood. Islam is actually stronger than Christianity. It's like they don't hmm. play. I've 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 known brothers from I've known brothers from Jordan that brothers from and when I say brothers I I mean individuals. I'm talking about blue eyes, red hair, people from Jordan, people from from um Europe, people from the Americas, and these cats were Muslim and they try to recruit me as being a Muslim because they say that I speak an element of truth, but they want Muslims, the Muslim. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that, right. that, that ideology is what they're promoting. They're not promoting, right. uh, 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 they're not promoting, uh, 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 that was the reason why Islam was able to spread throughout Africa so tough and so fast. Because it wasn't about it, it, Islam was never based on color, so to speak. It was based on get down or lay down. Are you messing with Islam or are you not? Right. That was the fundamental principle of Islam. That was the right. fundamental principle of Christianity. That's what happened. That's what happened when Christian Christianity starts sweeping through uh, Africa. It's a get down or lay down. You riding with the Muslims or you riding with this cross? You know, oh, this oh, was oh, the, let, me, let, me cut, let me let me let me interject something right quick. A little something somebody people might not know. Alexander Crummel, who is the the the, the forefather of Pan Africanist thought and leanings, we do realize that within the Pan-Africanist view, a component of that was Christianizing Africa. We do realize that, right? <laughs> that, was, no. that was part no. of his platform. No. Yes, it was. Research Alexander Crummel. Yes, it was. Research Alexander Crummel. Before Alexander back to... Huh? Yes, it was. Check it out. Before he came back to America and established... Uh, I think it's the African Methodist Church. I can't remember what church, it, whatever. Before he he did it, he did it over there in Africa first. He that was part of that was a component of his of his Pan Africanist view. Now I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. I'm just I'm just putting that tip, that historical tip out there because you never hear people say that. You know what I'm saying? No, brother, 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 brother. As African people, we we are a pagan people. We never been right. we've never been a monotheistic people, you know, and and, right. and a lot of us don't want to accept that reality. We've never been a monotheistic people. That's every monotheistic religion was introduced to us, but that's not neither here nor there. Who you pray to at night, I don't care. You know, if if if, if Christianity, Islam, or Judaism makes you a better husband, father, or brother, I, I appreciate you for doing that shit. You know, that that's just right. keeping it one hundred. But it's in. I just want to share with you something. You shared with me a little tidbit from uh, from uh, the, the the brother the brother Malcolm X. I want to share with you something yeah. from Dr. John Heinrich Clark, which was okay. his road dog in the in the uh, creation of the 
OAAU, which was the Organization of Afro-American Unity. And if y'all don't not familiar, okay. look it up, OAAU. Give me one second while I, while I put this uh, theme together. Okay. Here it goes. And okay. Hold on, hold on. I'm trying to I'm trying to cue it up right now. All right. Dang, what's going on here? All right, give me one second, y'all. All right. And then I'm like after this, we'll have. This. I have um. I have, we can start making our, you know, our closing, uh, you know, closing statements because we're coming to the last 20 minutes uh, yes, of the stream. And, you know, y'all brothers can give y'all vision on on what needs to be done, on what would be most effectively from a, a, a strategic standpoint to achieving what I think all of us want, what I think every, every level-headed um, black person would want. So that, that'll be next after, um, after you play this clip. But I, I think it was, Man, it's been, a, it's been a, a good discussion, a lively discussion, um, a lot of information uh, come out. I don't, I don't know what happened to Duncan. He may, he may have forgotten a, a, a something. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll reach out to me um, later on. But I do, I do appreciate both of you all taking time out your day to discuss, uh, to discuss this topic. But it, I mean, it, it, it is something that's important. I think the number one thing that we have to fight is the sense of apathy that that has gripped um that has gripped our people. I think many feel like it's it's hopeless. Um and I know there are some out there uh who who are looking for a religious or spiritual solution and, and in my in my view that is that is that is, that is equally as unfeasible as thinking you're gonna military have some military coup. Um as a as a man Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, and that's what I was gonna say about the whole thing with the Exodus because I mean I I would be for that if we had, if you know, we had the the um access to action from the Most High to do that. If I had a rod that could turn into a serpent, I would be in Washington D.C. right now. So I'm I ain't got that, baby. You understand? So we gotta deal with what we got. You know what I'm Do the best with what we got. So.
and face down some of the finest armies of Europe for personal courage and for letting our enemies know what we were entitled to all over the world. This was our finest century. What did we fail to learn from the 19th century freedom struggle that would have helped us in the 20th century? That you don't beg for what belongs to you. You insist and you demand. I thought we, in the 20th century, demonstrated too much and planned too little. We shouted nation time when we did not understand what goes into the making of a nation. Before we shouted nation time, we should have taken an inventory of what goes into the making of a nation. If you're going to make a nation, you need mining engineers, you need airport designers, you need chemists, you need oceanographers, you need ship builders, you need those who ship captains. You need all of these things. You need a system like to plan these things and send your students to the schools where they can learn these things. And we should have less demonstrations, but more progress in preparation. We could have learned a great deal. Did you hear that? Did y'all hear that? Yeah. That was Dr. John Henry Clark. That was Malcolm X Road Dog. You know what I mean? That was the brother that, that was instrumental in creating the organization of Afro-American unity. You can find that entire speech on YouTube or that entire interview on YouTube. It's called, uh, it's called, uh, one second. Uh, it's called, uh, uh, John Henry Clark, 1992 interview, you know, okay. and what he's speaking about is, yeah, what he's speaking about is it's not hard. We just have to be more focused. You know, we don't, we out here bullshitting. We work for white people instead of working for ourselves. You know, we, we, (laughs) you know, it's it's not difficult, man. It's really, it's really not difficult. We just, we just become extremely complacent post, post integration. (laughs) And and that's my whole point. That's that's what I want to touch on too. And I definitely agree with that statement that, we got so complacent and comfortable with being around white folks that we really was abandoning our own people. That's the only thing I disagree with for integration. Yes, we needed integration to have equal access to facilities. However, we became so complacent and became so content with being integrated that we forgot to do for our own people at the same time. So Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I think right. that if if nothing else, we definitely all agree on that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, and that and that's why I said the the you know this this complacency. I think you have you have a strong contingent of black people who are who are apathetic <clears throat> about about the prospects of of any form of um liberation or progress and I think you have another group of of black people who are wholly complacent and comfortable with the way with the way things are right now and you know that's um 
it, it's unfortunate because it, it's going to take all of us being engaged and you know in a in a serious way. I think I think to a large degree the the sheeple mind state and sheeple disposition that we tend to have as a people is is detrimental to 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 a real movement to actually get something um to actually get get something done. I, I agree with everything uh you know Dr. John Heinrich Clark said you know said in that um in that clip you just played. Because I mean look at how look at the um indifference we tend to show uh to education right now as a people. We Absolutely. don't we don't view those those higher educations um, and discipline, academic disciplines as necessary. I mean, you have someone like, um, who is that, Umar Johnson, Dr. Umar Johnson, who um, talks about, you know, post-secondary education as some type of plan to, to, to destabilize black families by destabilizing black workers. I think that's an oversimplification of something that is very complex. They'll say things like, well, integration underdeveloped black America, the, the ultimate problem, the ultimate thing is capitalism itself because capitalism isn't constrained by race or by borders or by ethnicities. Cap- capital is going to flow where it has the most return for it, the most bang for its buck. That's just what it is. Can I, so can I say this, brother? Can, can I say this, brother? Let, let's, let's, let's take capitalism as a whole nother show because – okay. Capitalism is probably the most misunderstood phenomenon within the black community. And right, I agree with that. We we have no fundamental understanding of the 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 scope, magnitude and nuances of capitalism. So that that's mm-hmm. another two, three hours by itself. Right. I, I, I agree with I agree with you on that. Um, okay, so I, I'll go ahead and, let, and uh, give first first you design. You can give me, uh, you know, give the listeners your your thoughts on, um, you know, how we move forward. Then then you, Mugabe, and then um, I'll yield. But matter of fact, Kenya, are you still there? Yes. Yeah. You, Hi, um, Kenya. You have a question. You have a question for Mugabe, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do. I want to know. I right, go ahead and ask how... question. Okay. I'd like to know how is segregation supposed to work when we rely on them for electricity, water, and heating and cooling, and then also all of our um, accreditation, certifications, and licenses come from them. And then even for something as simple as um, building a home, you know, you have to be licensed by them, and at any time they can come in and say, well, this is not up to code, this violates zoning laws, and they can shut the whole thing down. Okay, that that was a that was probably like a four part question, but I'll I'll tackle it the best way I can. I've never said that segregation is what we should do. I said separation is what we should do. And by separation, it's not synonymous with just completely abandoning the American system. It means doing for self. Buy black, be black is a separation mentality. When we, when, if, if we get to a point 
within our people where where okay you've got a degree in in engineering and you use that degree in engineering to to work for a Fortune 500 company and that Fortune 500 company is not uh doesn't do anything for the black community you are not contributing to the black family now if you take that same engineering degree and you start a black owned business that you implement your degree into bettering our people guess what you are participating in separation not segre not integration you understand what i'm saying Mm-hmm. Right, but 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 then the next question would be how would how would you stop the the structural forces and political forces from sabotaging your your business, your black owned business, and what they're trying to do? That's why, and that's why you, there needs to be some some form of integration to to try and stop those attacks that are sure to come because that's what they've always done. They've they've always I mean this is not it's not like we haven't tried this before. This is something that they do when when we get it going, they come right in and tear it down. And so, and most times it's not even by it's not even by violent means. Because this is another thing they'll do. They'll say, Well we had all these business centers and all these businesses before integration but a lot of those business centers were 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 done during segregation via eminent domain laws and it just didn't play out until integration was already the law of the land. But the that the actual uh procedures that were done to actually uh tear down that black business center was done behind the veil of segregation because they all in a room by themselves planning against us. This is what I'm saying. So you have to have some some form of interaction form of apparatus to blunt those types no, of attacks. Not- Go ahead. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that when I say separation, I don't mean uh, let's move to Wakanda. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that <laughs> by <laughs> by, separ- by separation, I mean that we should build up our own institutions similar right. similar to what the Asian communities do, and I mean East Asians, West Asians, and even the the so-called Middle Eastern people. They have insulated businesses. The 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 Arabs are Asians. Let's not forget that they run the petroleum industry because they have a natural resource. We understand that. When you look at our ghettos or our communities or our whether they be uh, prominent communities or whatever, we have. Uh, 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 we see Asian people that operate with with within our communities that are they have uh, a stronghold. They they run industry. You know when we look at right. the gambling industry, the gambling industry was was uh, was uh, was not created by, but it it was taken over by. Uh, 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 the Italians, when we look at right. the American cattle industry, it was taken over by uh, Europeans. When we look at when we look at in our communities, we look at the uh, uh, Korean Grocers Association. Like we have a huge problem with that here in Los Angeles. They they run all of the liquor stores, and you know there's certain things that we can we can position ourselves to control a certain industry and when we control a certain industry it gives us a uh, 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 social clout or if you right. if you if you want to participate that. in this you, you have to go through these folks right 
you know, we can't divorce ourselves from being American. We can't divorce ourselves. We're we're Afro American, you know, or African American, or however you want to phrase it. We are what we are. You dig what I'm saying? And we have we have to accept that, but we also have to understand that that the integration under the Martin Luther King uh, ideology has not benefited us. We have to say, okay, we want integration federally. We we appreciate integration federally, but we also have to understand that we have to build our own. And yeah, on that, I, I yield. I agree with that. Yeah, I I I, I agree yeah. with that. You know, with with that point. Like I said, that that should be the goal. But I'll just I'll just also point out that. Martin Luther King didn't have a chance to to bring to fruition what what the full scope of what he was trying to do because you know he got killed. But um, yeah. John, I'll give you the floor for the you have two minutes and then Kenya, you can wrap the show up because we have we have uh we have three three minutes and fifty five seconds. So I'll yield to you, uh, Dijon. All right. Okay. When we speak of um actually segregation and integration, what well, we fail to realize is that we don't mass produce our own product. And us not mass producing our own products, we don't actually have the, the resources available to actually um, distribute any products to our people. And another thing that we need to do as a people is actually engage in international trade. You notice that absolutely other, other ethnicities such as Asians, Koreans, Chinese, the Jews, they all engage in international trade with the products that they produce themselves. Whereas we, we just want to rely on America. We just want to say that right. we're going to keep things within America. We're not engaging in any, any international trade or business. So that's why I feel that we need to engage in as well. But and furthermore, the thing about black dollars, we got to understand, like I was saying earlier, that we don't own control or manufacture of the currency. So we have to be real careful when we say black dollars. I mean, I understand what they're saying. Keep the dollars that's, that's allocated to you within your own community. However, we need to have a, a, some type of currency to actually compete with the dollars that they distributing because those dollars are actually losing value every day because we all know so that's the fiat currency that we rely on. So we have to come up with something where we can actually compete politically, socially, and economically with the, um, right, I agree with that. With the rats that they set Absolutely. Up. And furthermore, we also need to um, engage in trying to form a military because every every um, successful battle that we've had, we, we've actually had military. Even going back to Kemet and going back to the Nile Valley, we actually had military. See, all these pro-black conscious scholars want to talk about. Want to glorify and glamorize Kemet all day, but why come you not over in, in Kemet taking your land back from the Arabs that occupy it now? Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I agree, I agree with that, John, but we're coming down to the last 90 seconds. Um, can you can go ahead and, and close out the show and, and, and let everybody know our, our social media presence and stuff like that. I appreciate the guests and, and, and the listeners um, for their participation in, in today's show. Okay, I just wanted to thank the listeners for joining us for this spirited debate. I want to thank Dijon Israel and um, Mudawa Mudawa Mudiwa Mudiwa Mugave. So sorry about that. 
for joining us. And you can check out this and other videos on our YouTube page. Our username is The Great Liberators. We're also on Twitter, The Great Liberators, at Great Liberators, on Blog Talk, at The Great Liberators. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. And thank you for joining us. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> okay, guys. All right. I appreciate I appreciate everybody. Um, you McGavy, it's, it's been a pleasure. You're intelligent, brother. You always bring a um a fresh perspective. Uh, same thing with my brother. Um, design two very intelligent brothers. Um, who 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 spend a lot of time studying and are um fully informed on on, on the issues that are important to to black society. So I just appreciate you guys for for coming on and spending these two hours with the great liberators. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Godspeed. Black power. Salam, Salam, Hotel. Peace to everybody.